Hello again, listeners, and welcome back to the Dual Screens Podcast, the world's number one indie dev interview podcast, probably, absolutely, for sure. Joining me this week is Friedman Allenruder, developer of Islanders, a minimalist strategy game about building cities on colorful islands. Friedman, welcome to the show. How's it going, man? Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me. Uh, going good so yeah far. yeah yeah um so i uh i saw your game at the uh the nintendo indie showcase thing not too long ago and i was a little upset with myself because it looked super cute and i had never heard of it before and, oh, it's, no. been, and it's been out for like two years on steam <laughs> It has. It has. Are you a PC gamer as well? Like, uh, you know, I I tend to play mainly console. So I think yeah. when things are only on PC, they tend to just go over my head. So there's the excuse. Right, right, right. So I got the game for Switch, and I yeah. played the and I played the game on Switch. And I I think the first thing I want to ask you is, you know, I have shit to do, right? With my life, I have a full time job. I have I have a fiance. I have a pet. So I, I I can't be spending my time on an island throwing down breweries and sawmills and farms. Why Making did you make? Choices. Why did you make <laughs> such an addictive game? I'm sorry, Andy. <laughs> you know the thing is, the funny thing is, we actually set out to make a city builder that you can that goes along with like a grown up life schedule, you know, that you can play in 20 minute sessions. Mm. But, the, and I think the 20 minute sessions actually kind of work out. It's like, I think it takes between 15 minutes. And sometimes if you have a really long going session, you can play for like an hour or something, but then it's, then you have to be really good to keep playing. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that people don't play one session. Nope, <laughs> they really don't. You don't leave it at one session. And yeah, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. And also like say hi to your fiance from Oh me. yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> like, you can blame it on me. <laughs> um you know, and also like the gameplay didn't like click within the first five seconds of the game. And I was like, why am I seeing a game over screen <laughs> already? <laughs> I can't yeah. be this stupid. <laughs> But that's the typical, uh, that's like when we watch people play the game for the first time, that's like the typical mm -hmm. way to experience it. You see a game over screen insanely early and you're like, what's going on? I thought this is like a cutesy casual thing. Mm -hmm. And then it takes you like three or four runs to figure out how to play for a bit longer. Yeah. So, and that's a good segue. Let's, let's have you describe what the core gameplay loop of Islanders looks like. So the core idea of Islanders is that you have an island with minimum, like with limited building space on it, mm -hmm. and you get these buildings in your inventory and you place them. And all of the buildings have interdependencies with other buildings that they want to be next to or that they don't want to be next to. And you have to find like the optimal city layout to get as many points as possible. So every time you place something, for example, if you place a lumberjack, you get points for every tree that's in the vicinity of that lumberjack. And in the beginning, that's super simple. In the beginning, it's like, yeah, you basically drag a building over the island and see where it gets most points. But then later on, if you've already placed 20 or 30 buildings and you have all kinds of different relationships between the buildings, it gets really, really complex. And so, 
yeah, the idea was to basically make a city builder that's only about placing buildings mm -hmm. and not about like complex economic simulations and gathering resources and stuff like that. Yeah, because I'm wondering what kind of people would live in the mansion with a bunch of houses swished up against it with, you know, a, a, a seaweed farm <laughs> right, next, <laughs> right, next, right next door. <laughs> yeah, we tried to we tried to keep the relationships between the buildings, you know, like, for example, um, the industrial buildings, they usually don't want to be next to like the mansions or the houses and the mansions, for example, they want to be next to the posh jewelry right and stuff like that but sometimes the relationships are really weird because we just needed to come up with things that make the city look nice mm -hmm. and keep the gameplay intact so yeah and this game also it uh it wreaks havoc on my ocd a little bit because when i <laughs> when, when i play your conventional city building games and i'm going yeah. way back to games like pharaoh one of my favorite like city builder games of all time my approach is always a beautiful city like everything yeah. looks straight and parallel things are on a grid right exactly yeah and here i'm like if i plop down this this little uh brewery for example yeah I'm, at an angle i'll get more points but then it'll, it'll look askew <laughs> yes. and i'm like I have, well <laughs> i, I, I can't have so that <laughs> the exact same thing i have ruined runs um yeah because of the exact same issue because i needed to place something where it looked good and not where it gave me the most points and it's actually that's been a topic we've we discussed a lot during development because the traditional approach for city builders is to have some kind of grid that the buildings and um, units snap to mm -hmm. and in islanders we don't have that because we you know we had we started making these low poly islands with these nice rock formations and stuff and we just found out that the more organic they were the nicer they looked mm -hmm. and the more it allowed us to just basically stick things into each other and end up with a nice island so our you know all of the islands in the game are procedurally generated and the procedural generation algorithm that we have is not super sophisticated it basically just squashes things into each other and then puts decoration on top and so in order for that to work with the gameplay we basically had to ditch the grid approach because that wouldn't have worked yeah and i think it it still works kind of well right you are still able to to make something nice and organized looking but it's definitely way more organic than yeah than in like the settlers or yeah right and and you know that feeling of like this doesn't look the way i want it to look precisely it kind of goes away fast when you're seeing the points rack up in the bottom left corner and you're seeing your progress of the island build up before you can go to a new island to start fresh yeah. so it's like a weird trade-off or like it kind of asks you to throw away what you think a traditional city builder is supposed to play like and it has like this weird like arcadey yet zen vibe throughout yeah. the whole thing going on which is really neat yeah and it's actually fun like when we talk to people who play it some people have real strong conflicts they're like yeah you know i I placed this little remote thing on the cliff and I wanted him to have a nice time up there and be alone by himself. And then in the end, I needed to urbanize the entire area around him and I felt really bad about it. And I love how people, <laughs> I love how people in their minds at this weird storytelling component to a game that's basically purely mechanics. Yeah, there's zero story in this whatsoever. It's just, yeah. it, it throws you in an island. Here's like, 
pick like your schematics of what kind of buildings you want to choose and the surrounding like elements to it like farms go with you know like a seaweed farm gets a little yeah. kelp or whatever no story but you find yourself kind of thinking who would live on this island who would put a farm here yeah <laughs> where do the workers go it's funny right how you immediately like empath and what's the emphasize empathize mm-hmm you empathize with people, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah how you immediately empathize with these not even visible inhabitants of the island you're building. Love it. I do have to say, though, I wanted to ask you uh, are you independently wealthy? Because you're charging $5 for this game, which seems a little low for something that gives you so much replay value and is so much fun. How did you guys yeah. get to that price point for this game? I think the price point for us mostly, so the backstory of how we made the game is that we developed uh, both of our first games. Before Islanders, we made a game called Superflight. And both of those games were developed as part of our university program. So the three of us were students. And within the program that we have, they enabled us to make a real life project and to finish it and to wrap it up and to commercially release it as part of our game design studies. So. We work with like super, super constrained time budgets. And basically, Superflight was the first 3D game we ever made. And then Islander was the second one. And it, we just didn't feel like, we didn't feel qualified, I think, mm. in a way, to charge like a higher price for our game. Oh, and back then, you know, back when we made, back when we released it, it didn't have the sandbox mode. And we had only play tested it with like our friends from university, basically. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is a there was some insecurity on our part whether this was actually gonna work or not. And I don't know, in hindsight, like we've talked about it a bit. In hindsight, I think like a ten dollar price point would be justified as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Generally, we want to make games that are quick for us to develop and that don't cost a ton to people. Like, I personally don't believe in the $60 um, five-year development cycle Mm. model of making games. Like, I'm sure it works for other people, but that's not how I want to live and how I want to make a living. Yeah, because, you know, people charge way way more for much inferior games (laughs) out there. (laughs) Yeah. Does it work, though? You know, uh, that's a good question. It depends on the game, but I feel like yeah. if it's if it's priced moderately enough, you can get away with a lot of shortcomings on the gameplay side. You can yeah, say, well, true. it only costs $15 and yeah. it has X, Y, and Z problems. But if you can look past that, you'll find a good game. Yeah. As opposed to your game where it's like super polished. It's very, it has its intention and it, it, it sets out and it does it very well. And it's Thanks, very, very low. So Thanks. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you saying that. Mm-hmm. But I think that exactly those insecurities, um, being able to say, you know, maybe look past some of the shortcomings because it only costs five euros. I think that's kind of the back door we wanted to keep open for ourselves. Yeah, basically being second year game design students releasing their second game and having no clue <laughs> what we were doing at that point. And then also I think, um, when we looked at other games being priced in the 10 to $15 section, mm-hmm. you see 
they do lots of service. They have DLC, they have long-term support for their players, and they, you know, they um, often they launch some free content after a while, and they keep the game alive for way longer than we intended to. And I think we were also a bit, we were very aware that we would have to write our bachelor's thesis after releasing this game and move on with our studies. And we didn't want to keep working on Islanders for the next two years. And I think that was also um, part of the consideration to to choose like a five euro or five dollar price point. Yeah, because the game, if you look at it, it kind of lends itself to DLC and add-ons. Yeah in Absolutely. the future like it, it, it the, the format is there it's like the blueprint for adding like yeah. different sorts of like you know um, different civilizations different island different. types mm-hmm. you could have floating island yeah we have so many yeah. we've talked about it a lot but the the way we enjoy making games and i'm really happy that the three of us agree on that is that we we like to make something finish it give it to people make sure that it works for them you know we're we're not going to leave critical bugs unresolved or anything Mm -hmm. but once the game is out there and it works for people the three of us really enjoy moving on and making something new and that's what we 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 made really good experiences with that with our first game superflight which is completely different from islanders Mm -hmm. and i think that's just the same thing we wanted to do with islanders again do you see some of that insecurity now going away seeing that people are loving this game so much it's been so well received and now Nintendo's like, we want this on our system. Like, please get it on here. No, absolutely. I think we've learned, we've we've gained some confidence in our game making skills now that also because it's not the first time anymore. You know, after after Super Flight, it was very, very easy to just go, yeah, okay, people like this, but it's a it's a lucky first time thing. Mm-hmm. And then now that it worked again, we I think we feel some level of confidence that we can actually make games that people enjoy and then paul he just released his solo game the ramp i don't know if you've seen that yeah so paul is coming on the show in a couple of weeks just so you know oh nice <laughs> yeah <Did you> promote <laughs> the ramp yeah <laughs> yes indeed that's cool. oh that's so cool so yeah he, he can tell you a lot more about that but he um yeah he made something really really cool and just released it and i think the ramp is a great example of him being way more confident about what he wants to make and what he wants his game to be and how small something can be and still be worth the five dollar price tag that it has it's funny i was talking to paul over twitter i I came across the ramp on steam purely by accident and then when i set up this interview i i saw i was like that name sounds familiar (laughs) like oh it's the same dude that made this other game also made this game (laughs) so cool (laughs) uh so what what's next for you guys is there a project you guys are currently working on at this point are you just sitting back and enjoying the switch port and let that do its thing yeah mostly that like um we don't have a grizzly games project that we're working on together i think the three of us decided after university wrapped up that we wanted to explore some separate things for a while Mm -hmm. paul was doing the ramp jonas is doing tons of work with his youtube channel and he's also he's got a game will you snail that's Mm -hmm. probably gonna launch i think early next year or something and i'm also working on something that's unannounced 
but we just wanted to explore some things that we felt like we couldn't explore as the three of us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think we're just going our separate ways for a bit and then getting back together for the next Grizzly Games thing. Yeah, that's really neat. Like, you, yeah. know, you, don't, you don't see that often of like, you have a core team. It's a really tight team of developers who are working yeah. on projects. And then it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go do my thing and you do your thing and you do your thing. And there's no like animosity or bad blood it's like you just no, want to make you just want to make great games we just and want then to make yeah exactly i think it. the highest priority for all of us is to have fun making the things we want to make and if that means making games together we're going to do that and if that means doing something separate for a while we're going right. to do that like at the moment we have our at least once a week we have a one hour uh, call where the three of us just meet and exchange what we're working on and talk about grizzly game stuff and so we keep in touch I love the other two and yeah, I, I really enjoy this mode of, or this level of freedom that we give each other. Yeah. Could you imagine if like a big time developer did that? Like yeah. if there was like, <laughs> that would be so know, cool. like if there was like a group of developers, like within Naughty Dog, they were like, okay, well, we're going to do like our own little thing as our own little team on the side. For a year or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> imagine if that worked though. Imagine how healthy that would make a workplace. Mm-hmm. if you could actually make something like that work and i think isn't there like i feel like i've heard stories about the really big companies like google facebook and stuff allowing people to take one day per week off and mm-hmm. doing their own little things i feel like mm-hmm. there's stuff like that going on already yeah because you know you're gonna get burned out otherwise yeah. doing this and it's also it helps with creativity because if you're doing the same thing over and over again at what point do you walk away? Because that's what you see oftentimes developers leaving big companies and exactly doing, and doing their own stuff on the side. But it's like those two can't coexist. It's either you're gonna be on the big AAA team, yeah, or you're gonna leave and do an independent studio. You yeah, can't exactly. do both simultaneously. Which is yeah, I wish it it were possible to do both things. Because sometimes I really, I, I'm really intrigued by the idea of working in a bigger team as well and working mm-hmm. on a bigger project, but I wouldn't, yeah, I couldn't do it 40 hours a week. And like 40 hours, that's in the AAA industry, that's even... That sounds low. <laughs> AAA fingers <space>. crossed <laughs> that it's only going to be 40 hours. <laughs> so yeah. Um, no, and I also think, you know, for these big studios, it's a, it would be a great way to be able to take some more risk you know, because if it's only a one-year project involving five people, you can do something that's, and it's okay if it doesn't sell millions of copies. Mm-hmm. And then if it works, though, you can put it into your bigger games and, yeah, be innovative, make new things. Yeah, it's tough because I feel a lot of the mindset is we need to make something that's a, of a blockbuster caliber, something that's going to yeah. really wow people, like a jaw-dropping sort of experience. And I get it, you know, yeah. if, if so many people depend on the game being a financial hit, uh, I, I don't think I'd have the courage to go super wild and experimental with something. Mm-hmm. It's well, easier how- to do that if there's just three of you and it's basically, yeah, if it doesn't sell, then we're screwed and we're going to have to get a job. But <laughs> that's it. <laughs> well, how, how soon is a game like Islanders profitable for you guys? Like when it was first put on Steam, and that's the amazing thing about yeah. us developing the games at university. It was basically profitable day one. Wow. <laughs> so because, you know, we, we didn't have 
any real costs because we live in Germany where the university is basically free. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have to pay anything there. And then we had to set up the company, which cost like, I think somewhere around a thousand or 2000 bucks, mm -hmm. which, yeah, that's okay. If you split it three ways, between three of you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's literally it. I think we had to like, we have a tax guy um, that we have to pay, but that's, yeah, if, if this, if the game sells a couple hundred thousand times, that's immediately going to disappear those costs. So, yeah, we were super, super lucky that um, we had this kind of, you know, that's also why we were able to take creative risks because mm -hmm. it didn't have to work out. If the game had sold zero copies, it would have been just fine because we were all students. We didn't plan on making money with it. And yeah, luckily it did though. Yeah, it's it's it it just goes to show you how intense the indie space can be because you can have yeah. a story like yours where it's like your kids in university making a game what looks like in your spare time while working on your thesis as yeah. well. And then at no real cost to you or your teammates, and then you release it, and then you have some money coming in now. This is before even the Switch version comes out. Then you have other groups who are mortgaging their homes yeah. or they're down to their last $10 in their bank accounts. And it's like all or nothing on the release of a game. And yeah, it can go either way. Yeah, absolutely. And that that stuff really humbles me. That that makes me want to not give any advice on game dev at all <laughs> to people because I feel like our situation was so privileged. And so different from the situation of so many other people. Like if you have a family and you quit your day job to pursue this indie path, that's such a different set of circumstances than what we faced when we launched Islanders. So I'm really, really grateful that it worked this way for us. And every time I talk to people about how we make games, I put this huge disclaimer up that, yeah, it worked under these specific circumstances. Don't don't try it at home if you don't have the same <laughs> same set of privileges around you i think what uh what put you on this path to making games was it like a childhood thing you were always a gamer growing up or something you fell into later on in life yeah we actually talked about this um a couple of days ago the three of us um i think we all enjoyed games as kids mm -hmm. especially like as teenagers all of us played games with friends or alone and Jonas he's the only one who started making digital games at a very early age I think he started around when he was 12 or something god damn uh, yeah so he <laughs> he had tons of experience already when he started studying game design and his the stuff that he applied to the game school with was insane already um, and I came from more of an illustration background. I originally wanted to become a concept artist for the games industry. And when I finished high school, I interned at two game studios for six months each. So I got to know like the bigger industry a bit and then decided to go to back to university to like learn the basics. And yeah. And what brought the three of you together as a team? Was it just you were in university and you, could, yeah. you all met there. But what yeah. made you guys think that together you three could make awesome games? It's a really like the program that we studied in is really small. There's 40 people per year 
so you know everybody kind of closely that you're studying with and they do tons of small projects in the beginning so you can work with lots of different people from your year and um, or class and get to know all of them and Paul and I started working together super early I think in the first year we made a really small game called ROM mm -hmm. together and that worked well and the two of us clicked and I think we both had lots of common design philosophy I think that's what made me want to keep working with Paul and him also keep working with me that we both really embraced this minimalist ideology almost of making games where you cut everything away but the very very core mechanic and then you end up with something kind of elegant that also has the benefit that you can as a student actually finish it and release it and that's what we with with this first experimental thing that we made together rom we released that for free on itch.io and after making that experience we were like okay so now we made a free game let's see if we can make a commercial game for the next project and then superflight we made with another guy called char um yeah and then he wanted to do something else and we got jonas to join the team because he was basically this yeah almost game design legend in the class because he'd been making games for such a long time and he was also a great programmer and we were both we kind of wooed him almost a little bit i remember talking to him on the train at some point and being like jonas come on it would be so cool if you joined us <laughs> because we knew that if we had him on the team we would have like some serious programming power it's like your ace in the hole <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah and i love it i think we complemented each other very very well with the different sensibilities that we bring to game design do you see yourselves keeping with this minimalist theme in future projects or do you see now that what you're capable of and with your skills so refined increasing your scope a little bit no no i think we're definitely going to stick with the minimalist thing Good. what jonas is currently doing the will you snail thing that's i wouldn't say that's a very minimalist game just because he i think he enjoys developing it and he put so much content in there it's really really yeah full of content at this point and really great so i think he's trying to make something a bit less minimalist at the moment mm -hmm. uh, but i think if the three of us were to work together again it would definitely be a minimalist game and i think the the instead of going instead of developing vertically and becoming bigger in scope we just enjoy moving horizontally and just doing different things like the next game is definitely not going to be a city builder again right i think it, the three of us get excited at the thought of okay what if we made the islanders of i don't know flight simulators on it now we did that <laughs> with super flight with <laughs> the islanders of i don't know ego shooters or something well, I actually want to ask you if you could take like any major franchise and make it with the minimalist approach, what franchise would that be and how would you approach it? Well, that's tough. <laughs> that's really, really tough. Like, personally, I love fantasy RPGs. Like, that's what I grew up on. Mm. The, the first game I got really, really into was Morrowind. Like oh, the yeah. early Elder Scrolls thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I would love to be able to make something that captures the essence of this open world exploration and having these different mysterious locations that you're exploring and stuff like that have that but at a at some in some form that I could consume it today because mm -hmm. I can't I recently bought the Witcher 3 and I had to stop after an hour. I was so overwhelmed by like the <laughs> amount of systems, by the complexity of the input. I was just, oh, geez, no, I can't anymore. <laughs> I've got a job. I got responsibilities. I, <laughs> I can't do it. And yeah, having basically a minimalist version of that, that allows me to experience the same sort of yeah, to have the same experience, but without conflicting so much with my daily life. I would love that. Yeah, it's amazing how people tend to think if I cram in a bunch of systems in here and give the player so much to do, that somehow equals value in a sense. Yeah. Or and, you know, I feel like for some players, it actually does um, equal value. You know, when, when I was 16, I loved games that had like the 100th subsystem where you can like mm -hmm. teach your teach your horse a language and then do whatever with the horse and i think it really depends on how much time you have to dive into it yeah and i always come back to a game like death stranding where the systems in place are very simple yeah it's it's a person that's fighting against the environment and traversing yeah. across you know open terrain it's how you tackle it and yeah. it's here's a set of tools use your brain in in very different ways to get across this space and yeah. that's like a triple a in a sense minimalist kind of game absolutely and i i totally love this kind of approach to have one mechanic that you can use in so many different ways mm. that's my favorite kind of game where basically you you have this one thing and then the developer goes and sees how many different things can we do with that. Have you uh, played 12 minutes yet? No, not yet. Okay, so. Have you? Yes, I finished it last night. And that's- Do you recommend it? Highly, because it's a lot like Islanders where it does, it has one core mechanic yeah. in the back of your mind. And it's it's asking you, it invites you to see how do you, how can you play with these mechanics yeah how can what can you take from the environment and use to influence you know dialogue or a, a certain outcome or a path in the story but again it, it's not it's a it's a point and click it's you're looking at objects yeah and seeing where they could work and choosing a dialogue tree and it's not overwhelming it's just simple basic but there's so much depth in it which Damn, is i really want to yeah. play it i i wish listed yeah. it the minute I saw it first and I've, yeah, I've been waiting to make time for it. The second you play it and you finish it, I want you to email me because so we can discuss the game. I will. Well, I will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's a good offer, man. I, <laughs> yeah. I really, it's a thing, right? You finish something and you're like panically looking around, texting all of your friends who finished this. I need to discuss right. it with some. Like, the last I, time I really, really had, did you play Outer Wilds? No, I haven't finished it yet. I've played it, but I haven't oh, finished it. The minute you finish that, email me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's the that's, deal. That's the deal. That's the deal. Okay. We have now a verbal binding contract you have just made okay. right now. 
But yeah, no, Outer Wilds, Outer Wilds yeah. is the last thing that completely blew me away. <laughs> that was so clever, and it's basically yeah, it's um, comparable, I think, because it has a few more game systems in it, but it's mostly traversal. It's mostly you flying the spaceship or you being around in your spacesuit, and you have to interact with the environment with the different inter- environments, and it was so clever. Yeah, that's kind of neat how when you have when you when you play a game and finish it that has like a, a bit of an impact on you yeah you want to see who else had that same experience and yeah like, can we talk about that ending that we just saw in this game like did you not <laughs> yeah. can you play it it's only five hours long go play it right now and get back to me yes <laughs> <laughs> and then people don't do it i've been i'm and that's my main problem with paul like after working together for seven years mm-hmm. he's not playing outer wilds i've told him to play it a hundred times <laughs> i got so excited is, about is the that game. the reason why he's like this guy keeps pushing this game on me i'm not gonna play it <laughs> i'm so mad i'm i get mad thinking about it well you know what uh, when i i'll if you see this for some reason play <laughs> outer wilds go play it for christ's sake i'll talk to paul don't worry about yeah. that. Oh yeah, right. You're gonna to talk to him. I'll I'll get them all squared away. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Nice. Um, you know, it. I've played a lot of games in my almost forty years on this planet Earth, and one thing I always ask myself is, does the a perfect game exist? And I think in a lot of ways, Islanders is. What I would call a perfect game. Oh my God! Really? It, yes, and it's for, for very, very um, specific reasons, and that's it has a very set intention where this is the gameplay loop. It's drawn down and simple enough to digest for anyone to get into with no gaming experience whatsoever, they can dive in and play. And it opens itself up as you're playing. It's perfect for grab and go. You can play a short session or you can play until five in the morning sometimes, like I did the other day. Um, And then the price point, it's all of it comes together in a way where I would classify it as, as a perfect game. Man, that's a huge, huge compliment. I'm just yeah. going to take it. Thank you so much. That's Take it. Take it. <laughs> yeah, you said so many of the things that we set out to do with Islanders. It makes me really, really happy to, to hear that people are actually receiving it as exactly what we wanted it to be. Thanks, man. Of course. Well, thank you. Because it's, again, it's one of those games where you look at it and it gives you like a feel-good aura. Yeah like a love at first sight sensation and you don't really you don't really know why and but you want to find out why yeah the more you play the more you realize that it's a very special experience yeah as minimal you know i think it all is something that you just said that it's a game that everybody can pick up Mm -hmm. that's something that's really important to me and that i'm that's one of the things i'm proudest of with our games that we made two games that you can also hand to like a six-year-old 
Right. And they will figure it out and they will have a good time with it. Or I can give it to my girlfriend who never plays games, who doesn't have <laughs> any history with games. And she can also pick it up and have a nice time with Islanders. And that's actually making games that work like that is surprisingly hard. Mm-hmm. Because that's what we learned at university, that you have so many assumptions. There are so many things. Like we had this really great term at university called games literacy. Mm-hmm. and there's so much you learn so many things as a gamer for example like the standard way you navigate a first person game that's so complex right that's so hard to do for somebody who's never done it before and like for me if i play a first person game i don't even think about it it's super easy to do but if you make a game like that you already exclude a huge portion of non-gamers Mm-hmm. from the experience in a sense you know, or you know if you get them really excited they might make this the game where they learn first person controls right, right, right. but but for my girlfriend for example if, if i give her a game like that it just completely throws her off and it puts a huge barrier between her and the experience mm-hmm. because she can't navigate that mm-hmm. and that always made me really really sad thinking about yeah making games that lots of my non-gamer friends are completely excluded from and so i'm I'm kind of proud that we that both of our games meet this criteria of being yeah you can give it to almost everybody maybe my grandparents excluded <laughs> they get they get dizzy from from my <laughs> I tried <laughs> oh man <laughs> but yeah that's I'm I'm really happy about that yeah all right I think that's a good place to end all this game chatter in Goblin 2 my favorite part of the show and that's rapid fire the rapid fire round are you ready for this action it's gonna get intense i don't feel like i am but now i was hoping, i can do i was hoping that we would have jonas and paul here but since they're absent i'm gonna use it to my advantage a little bit so Damn. here we go between jonas and paul who do you think is more likely to be arrested of a crime Paul. Okay, so Paul's been arrested. What crime did Paul commit? <laughs> Something with a skateboard, like <laughs> I don't know, destroying some property with a skateboard at night, oh drunk. God. Wow, drunken skateboarding. See, that should yeah. be. Is that in this game? I don't think it is. It sh- that should be something he I depends on how you play. I think impersonated <laughs> <laughs> drunk. <laughs> what is something that you're terrible at but you wish you could do really well play the guitar oh yeah that's good that's my go-to something musical i wish i was able to play the guitar well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um is it okay to sleep with your socks on yeah totally it's awesome is cereal a soup no Hmm. pineapple on pizza yes or no yes and it's great and i'm gonna fight you about it Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) you are in a freak accident that bestows superpowers upon you how long do you think before you became a villain 
five minutes tops <laughs> like how long does it how long does it take you to find out that you have the superpowers <laughs> and so then you like, oh, screw it <laughs> you know I, you you would think that you would do good for a while and then you just get bored of an abuse like you know what like a proper I, arc <laughs> i am a god <laughs> on this planet but you're like, yeah, i would be like <laughs> like this this does it <laughs> i'm going straight to super villainy um well on that note what power would you want to have you want to have you could oh just my god not have to eat anymore so lame so lame ah uh, is eating but I said too it, much right? of your time? Is that what it is? That's your superpower to not be able to eat and still be alive? I don't enjoy having to eat. You know, I enjoy oh. great meals, but it would okay. be awesome not to have to prepare three meals a day. Mm. I would love to have it as an optional thing where you can, like, once every two days, you put some time aside and you make some proper awesome food. But I would love it not to be a requirement. That's how I feel about work. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or or paying rent yeah true <laughs> lots of things yeah that could work can that I just, way. Can it's just the lamest superpower yeah. i'm sorry it's all right can i just do this like once every year pay your rent or go to yeah. my job once or twice a month optionally yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is something you have done that should have got you killed I swam in a very, very cold river for a very long time that had a very strong current in New Zealand once because we were in like a hot spring. Uh -huh. And people told me that our campground that we had to drive with the car to mm -hmm. was downstream from the hot spring. So I was like, great idea. Why don't I just take this fast ass river and <laughs> let it carry me to the <laughs> campground? And yeah. God, and you don't realize like you could have died. Yeah, and the, the the coldness is the problem. Actually, <laughs> I I got really dizzy um and it on the way. It doesn't click. I feel like no. I, I feel like a lot of us should not be walking around this earth. Me especially. Yeah. I feel like it's once or twice a day. I'm like that. That could have just killed me. What's the most recent one that you remember for you? Oh, just like crossing the street. I yeah. Feel, okay. Like that. I, totally. I just feel. I feel like. Most times, I I, sh I, sh I should not be alive anymore. <laughs> and for what? For yeah. what? It's for... always like <laughs> your, your noise canceling headphones in. You're like, yes. Oh no! I really... yes. There's one more truck coming, and you have the option to wait ten more seconds to go to the supermarket and pick up your one piece of milk or something like that. Ten seconds longer, or more. you could sprint in front of the truck. And make yes. it across before it arrives. And that's, yeah. I'll take one piece of milk, Risky please. For that. <laughs> one piece of milk. I'm going to do that at the grocery store. Do you have any pieces of milk? I'd like to and buy a pound of milk. What does one cost? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's do a few more here before we say goodbye. Uh, is yeah. it more preferable to be nice or to be fair? Mm. Fair? You want to say fair? Would you rather invent something new or discover something new? Invent. When you're in the bathroom and you're getting up after having done something magnificent, <laughs> um, do you fold up your toilet paper or do you crumple your toilet paper? Fold. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
not a psycho, not a psycho. Isn't that the psycho answer? Yeah, I'm <laughs> trying to find the psycho amongst the indie game death community. I haven't found one yet, but... <laughs> but isn't folding, we'll, we'll isn't see. that the psycho option? I don't know. I think crumpling it is psychotic. Crumpling it before you wipe yourself? Isn't that weird? Yeah, <laughs> well, it is. A little strange. <laughs> the whole thing is kind of weird. I keep thinking about that. How like, you know how in lots of Asian countries, they have these water-based mm-hmm. wiping your ass oh, methods. Yeah. Yeah, the bidet. And then how, how is it that we go, here's a sheet of dry paper and you just, yeah, wipe a couple of times with that. And then it's, then we all agree that that's fine. <laughs> how did we end up there? <laughs> like, we've, we've come a long we're way. We're basically smearing it. <laughs> we have, we have, we have supercomputers in our phones, and yeah. yet we're wiping our butts with paper. With dry I paper. I mean, listen, with I still... dry paper. It would be so easy to make it like <laughs> at least wet paper. I'm sorry to hijack your tourism. Oh no, this is this whole podcast for this. <laughs> this is the whole point. <laughs> but why I love this segment. For God's sake, I feel like we should be there. <laughs> and let's ask you one final question. Let's see. If you could work with any game developer, be it indie or AAA, like a Miyamoto, for example, to collaborate on a project, who would you pick? I think it would be the people that play that. Oh, Limbo yes. and Inside. Yeah, I just want to know how they. What's the process of making these? Yes, things? you could learn a lot from those guys. Those yeah. guys, I feel, if they're ever in town, they're gonna get all the drinks when I see them. Because yeah, I think they split up though. I think one of them left the company, right? That's heartbreaking. Not a hundred percent sure. That's heartbreaking. But yeah, I would wanna. I would really, really love to be a fly on the wall when they made inside. They could just take your approach. Like you could still make games together and just mix them apart. You know, you could yeah, do both. Totally. You could do both. Yeah. Either. <sighs> All right, sir. That was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. And for those who are listening after all that poopy talk, please go out and buy not, a not poop game. And that's Islanders. It costs less than a Starbucks coffee. Five dollars of milk. You'd love a little piece of milk. <laughs> you have no excuse. So Islanders yes. is out right now on Steam and Switch. And before we say goodbye, uh, Friedman, give us all the social media spiel. Where can we find you and the game? Uh, you can find us on Twitter as, I think, Grizzly Games, I hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me personally as Friedman and then a capital A. Yeah, and you can find the game, as Andy said, on all consoles now. It's out on PlayStation and Xbox as well, on Switch and on Steam. Mm -hmm. All right. And that'll do it for this week, listeners. Please take some time and play a good game that's going to make you really happy and bring a lot of joy in your life. And make you miss work and a few meetings and maybe strain your relationship with your fiancé because you can't scratch his back because you're too busy building islands and having fun. That's a personal story. Um, Totally not me. Someone else I know. Um, And with that, (laughs) listeners, (laughs) um, 
Thank you so much. And as always, please be excellent to each other.